Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. The world of commerce is fast-paced and constantly changing. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, enables commerce leaders to turn possibilities into reality. Commerce Tools helps businesses go from underperforming to overachieving, and from keeping up to setting the pace, all at a lower total cost. Go to commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's May 29th, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Walmart releases Q1 2023 earnings. TJ Maxx earnings indicate acceleration. Takeaways from PayPal's recent investor event. And Shopify's road ahead. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Walmart releases its Q1 2023 earnings. It's been a crazy week, folks, and I'll be the first to admit I didn't give my usual Watsonian treatment to Walmart's Q1 earnings call. As reported by Retail Dive, here are a few highlights of it. If you listen to this program, you might already suspect that Walmart will produce better results than both Target and Amazon, and you would be correct in that suspicion. First quarter revenue for the company was up almost 8%, and operating income gained over 17%. Comparable sales were up 7.4% in the U.S., Recall that Target comparable sales were literally flat, so the fact that Walmart is so far up is really a special kind of performance here. And another strong point for Walmart, its advertising business showed stunning growth of 40%, which is also contributing to the growth in Walmart's operating income. Keep in mind that Amazon's own ad growth was about 23% off a much larger base, and Target's ad growth is suspected to be in the 10% range on a much smaller base. This is what you expect to see of a strong and growing advertising program from Walmart. Faster growth on Amazon over the next couple of years. One note I got out of the call was that Walmart recently moved its advertising exchange to a second price auction capability, which you would think would reduce Walmart's advertising revenue when in fact it actually makes things more efficient for their advertisers, allowing them to scale their spend more as they achieve greater ROI for the same ad spend. In this economy, Walmart continues to move from strength to strength. The big question will be, as the economy settles back down in 2024, hopefully, will this momentum continue for Walmart or will the company revert back to its previous mean? Our second story. TJ Maxx earnings indicate acceleration. As another signal of a flight away from higher-priced goods, TJ Maxx reported a banger of an earnings in Q1 as reported by Retail Dive. The company's net sales grew 3.3% year-over-year to almost $1.2 billion. Of course, it wasn't all roses as home goods sales fell 3.4%. The juxtaposition was interesting because while consumers are looking for low-cost apparel, they are very much not looking for items for their homes relative to last year. We've seen these same trends in the results of other retailers. A lot of the apparel results are due to the company's better assortment of dresser styles for work. But what is another thing happening here? TJ Maxx has buying opportunities all over the place. There's been a consistent drumbeat of an inventory glut in peril in the past six months, and TJ Maxx is here for it. Expect these trends to continue as we move forward into a rocky Q2. 
our third story. Takeaways from PayPal's recent investor event. While I didn't listen live, I noticed that PayPal recently met with investors at an event hosted by Morgan Stanley. Reading through the transcript, a few things stood out for you. First is that e-commerce start to 2023, as reported by PayPal, has been well ahead of expectations. CEO Dan Schulman has seen it in transaction processing volume, or TPV, accelerating Q4. And while PayPal expected e-commerce to be flat in 2023, in truth, e-commerce's baseline has been low to mid-single-digits growth. That's something to get excited about. And to the extent you're above or below this baseline in your own business, it's something to watch. Like we did here on this program, PayPal CEO pointed out that Target was negative 3% in e-commerce while PayPal's own growth rate was year-over-year at 6.5%. Second, the company reports that digital wallets represent about 35% of all online sales right now and that relative to Apple Pay, PayPal is gaining share in the last three years after getting back a little share in the prior two years. That's not why I wanted to talk about this because something even more important caught my attention. How did I totally forget that PayPal has been searching for a new CEO the past few months? The search has been slow and continues to get the attention of investors. It's obviously super important for PayPal to get this right and define the next chapter for the business. With ShopPay and Apple Pay nipping at the company's heels, it's probably the biggest decision the board has ever made. And our last story, Shopify's Road Ahead. Some of you may have seen in the last week that I released a massive 6,000 plus word article about Shopify's current state and its path forward. The crazy thing is I could have written more. The company is important enough to deserve the treatment. Here's a preview of the article, which I have linked in the show notes. Regardless of whether or not you think Shopify is about entrepreneurs or mid-market, enterprise, financial services, or creators, one thing is clear. How Shopify makes its money is simply GMV growth and a services attach rate to that GMV. What is attach rate, you ask? The formula is quite simple. What is Shopify's top line revenue divided by its GMV? To the extent that number is greater than 1%, it means Shopify's other services are being adopted more frequently as its GMV grows. Where are the types of other services revenue that Shopify would like to grow as a function of its GMV? The percentage charged by Shopify Plus? Shop pay, its app store revenue, capital, the conversion rate generated by Shop Promise, bill pay, and advertising. Why is this important? Put simply, Shopify's total addressable market becomes more a function of all retail GMV over time instead of just a function of typical SaaS revenue, which is limited by the number of merchants on the platform many times. In its last earnings reports, Shopify's attach rate just crossed 3%, as I remember. As one of the most successful e-commerce platforms, Shopify has experienced tremendous growth over its history. And the company's run-up prior to the pandemic, and especially during it, has been one of the great e-commerce software success stories. Shopify's road ahead, however, depends on navigating a number of challenges. First, pivoting successfully from a direct-to-consumer-focused message to an omnichannel message. Firmly planning its flag in the middle market and enterprise space to accelerate GMV growth clearly articulating and executing on its shop app marketplace. Staving off challenges from headless e-commerce vendors looking to take its Shopify Plus customers and Amazon's new Buy With Prime offering looking to steal its payment and fulfillment business at the low end. Rounding out its management team with a chief marketing officer, and despite the Alan Leanwin experience who left Shopify, a chief technology officer or enterprise market technology architect. Also, 
finding a higher margin revenue stream like advertising to add to the revenue mix. The steadily downward march of gross margins is somewhat concerning over time. With the reversion to the mean of e-commerce growth, Shopify is aggressively looking to expand its addressable market. Whether it works will depend on a few factors. The bull case for Shopify is as follows. Shopify will leverage its SMB dominance into both POS and enterprise, given its excellence with e-commerce technology. Shop Promise will accelerate GMV another 25% due to date definite and speedy delivery, now provided by the partners at no capital expenditure risk to Shopify. Shop App will finally find its footing and provide consumer marketplace flywheel that Shopify needs to truly cement its place in e-commerce leadership for the long term. And finally, Shopify will keep experimenting in areas like advertising, which will eventually add additional net operating margin to the business. On the other hand, there is a Shopify bear case to be painted as well, including Shopify's turn up market makes the company take its eye off the ball with its core SMB market, leaving it vulnerable to low-end disruption. Commerce components by Shopify is not taken seriously by enterprise brands due to Shopify's brand history with SMBs. Shopify fulfillment shows that management has the ability to be easily distracted by shiny objects. The company has never really come clean on how its decision-making processes can improve, relying on game theory like side quests while not taking the time to clarify why it even considered it to be part of the main quest to begin with. Shopify will let the Amazon fox in the hen house by partnering with Bywith Prime, ceding to Amazon's biggest demands. And finally, Shop App never develops far beyond its roots as a glorified trip and tracker for consumers. Which one of these paths will happen? Check out the show notes for the full report. While the answer is likely in between one of these bull and bear cases, it's definitely worth paying attention to here given the importance of Shopify in the e-commerce world. Hey, Watsonians, this is Rick. Want to get my take on a burning question and have me answer on this podcast? You can start a topic on the RMW Commerce community and just ask. The community is full of e-commerce diehards just like you, talking about important e-commerce issues. Just last week, one of the popular topics was Miles Thomas speaking about the launch of electronics brands like Anchor on Shein's third-party marketplace. You can contribute to the conversation at community.rmwcommerce.com today. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform neared the end of its life, the entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve its customers. By switching to commerce tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision for connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out features within days, securing its position at a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you're being held hostage by your technology platform and your developers have thrown up their hands, tell them to start a free trial at commercetools.com today. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, use sporting goods marketplace Sideline Swap raise money from eBay Ventures. This is an interesting marker for the success of Sideline Swap which has been growing in what I think is one of the most interesting categories for marketplaces, used sporting goods. In the last couple of years, I met the founder, Brendan Cannon, some time back. And also, the head of partnerships, Doug Smith, has been involved in the eBay market since the early days of the best-named eBay seller there ever was, Three Balls Golf. Second, transportation management technology vendor Pando raised a Series B. The company provides software to unify enterprise supply chain visibility, procurement, 
payment, and planning for the enterprise customer. Some of the company's customers include Procter & Gamble, Nivea, and Johnson & Johnson. Third, B2B dealmaking software Aligned raised a $5.8 million seed round. Aligned provides a streamlined dealmaking room for B2B buyers and sellers online, shared project management for complex buying processes, file sharing, and buyer intelligence. While this isn't typical e-commerce B2B, for large SaaS purchases, this could be an interesting evolution of sales collaboration software similar to how Seismic and others perform today. Fourth, broker and carrier analytics solution GoodShip raised a seed round. GoodShip is not its own transportation management system, but instead pulls data from existing software systems used by carriers and brokers for full truckload, rail, and intermodal shipments in the United States and Canada. The company raised $7.4 million and is using it to accelerate its platform development. Fifth, e-commerce financing company 8Fig raised a Series B of equity and credit. 8Fig has traditionally been a financing company for companies with cash constraints, but it is starting to build out outsourced planning functions. One of its new features is called, and I'm not making this up, Artificial Intelligence CFO, which sounds like a dystopian nightmare character within Arthur C. Clarke's Space Odyssey. I'm sorry, Dave, we can't afford that. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez, production manager, Gabriela Montequin. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, Subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.